Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. When I was you know, years ago going, you know, what am I going to do with my life? And I want to be about purpose and I want to, I want to be on the front lines. I, I don't want to just have a job that, you know, I don't feel purpose in. I, I have to be doing something that I feel like I'm making a difference. And to see women's lives being changed and for them to start coming alive and to see hope. When you, when you start seeing hope in people, that's the greatest thing that any anybody could ever be a part of is to see people coming alive. And that's what Ked Frank gets to experience on a daily basis. He is the founder of Refuge for Women. It is a nonprofit faith-based organization that is providing specialized long-term care for women who have escaped human trafficking or sexual exploitation. Today on Connections, Ked is going to share with us the inspiration behind this organization and the kind of impact that it has had on the community. After having a conversation with the leader of a group doing outreach to women in local strip clubs, today's guest says he was inspired to create a safe space for women who have either been sexually exploited or victims of human trafficking. We're joined today by Ked Frank. He is the founder and president of Refuge for Women. Refuge for Women, for those who don't know, tell us a little bit about this organization. Yeah, Refuge for Women is providing a safe place for women who are needing a safe place to go and escape uh, sex work, sex trafficking, prostitution. And we've been, we started about 13 years ago. And what we do is, is provide a safe housing. We provide a free place for women to go who really um, for the longest time have felt very uh, much like objects have really uh, self-worth has been beat down and need a place to go. And so uh, we started here in Lexington, Kentucky, and have grown now across the country. We're uh, actually we have 11 houses across the U.S., and we're hoping to expand and and, and add more. But uh, it's really about safety. It's about people um, who are going to love on them and really uh, allow them to dream again. That's nobody nobody dreams to grow up and work in prostitution. And so our hope is that we can tap back into what did you want to do when you were a little girl growing up, and how can we come alongside you and help you do that. This is so needed. How did this all start? Yeah, absolutely. My wife and I, years ago, uh, there was an outreach in our city going to the strip clubs. And so there was about 100 women from our church that were taking meals into five different strip clubs in Lexington. When I first heard about this, um, I'd never heard of church people that were uh, going every every Wednesday night into strip clubs. And I wasn't even sure how I felt about it when I first heard about this. Um and uh, you don't normally see them interacting a whole lot. Uh, but then I started realizing that, you know, uh, you know, if you don't if you're not going to go there, then how do you expect to really get into conversations and really let them know that there's opportunities for something more? But they need a next step. And that was one of the things that really just grabbed my wife and I's attention is that they needed a place to go for people who wanted to get out. And uh, and so the leader of this uh, ministry started saying, you just pray about a next step. And and so my my best friend bought a 50 acre farm and it had an old farmhouse on it. And I always tell people he made the mistake of telling me about this old farmhouse. <laughs> and we felt like that the Lord wanted us to um, to rehab that 100 year old farmhouse. And uh, and so we um, we renovated it. I stepped out of what I was doing. We formed a nonprofit and the rest is kind of history. And that was in 2010 and led to a second house and a third house. And now, like I said, 11 houses now across the country. 
But is the reality for women um, in this industry mentioned like they want to get out, they've got nowhere to go. Like some people might think like, well, they make money. It should be easy enough. If they want to quit, they can just quit and walk away at any time. Yeah, no, that's a great question. And there's a lot of there's a lot of misunderstandings about women that are involved in sex work. Um, like you said, a lot of people may say, you know, hey, they're, you know, they're working in a strip club. They're making all the money that they need to make and or, you know, that they, you know, hey, this is a. A great line of work. You get a party, you get to do all this fun stuff. And and the reality is, is that no nobody dreams to grow up and, and get involved in this kind of work. And everybody who is being bought and sold has ended up there uh, for one reason or another. And every single one of them has a story. And um, nobody wants to do this kind of work that you may. I always tell men's groups, I'm saying, you know, when you go into a strip club, a woman is very um, engaging, very uh, it's a party. First of all, she's not uh, sober, first of all. And secondly, she's very, very angry. And um, she's angry at you and she's angry at men. And um, the last thing she wants is to be working in a strip club or to be working in pornography or to be selling, uh, turning tricks out on the street for, for $10. Um, and and so um, over 90% of the women that we've served over the last 13 years, it all started with childhood sexual abuse for them. And um, and so this wasn't something they were abused once or twice, but for many of them, it went on for three, four, five, six years being sexually abused. And so they became sexualized at a very young age. They got into uh, trouble in school, started experimenting with drugs, got into bad relationships. Many of the women have been raped multiple times um, through some of the places that they ended up and the people they were hanging around. And so trauma, um, every single one of them experienced uh, PTSD, complex trauma and also substance abuse disorder. And none of them do what they do sober. And so they, the drugs get worse and worse to the point that they end up in places they never would have dreamed that they'd end up doing things they never dreamed that they would end up doing. And they end up staying a lot longer than they anticipate staying. And, um, and so we actually graduated a woman from our program who was 68 years old wow. one time, Six, 68 years old. She had been prostituting on the streets for 40 years. Wow. No, nobody, nobody, that, that's, when I tell people they're, are prostitutes in their 60s. That's that's mind-boggling for people, and it's like it just blows the paradigm of anything that we would envision. But that's that's how that's how bad this industry is, and how bad this space can be, and how desperate people can be. Is is that no nobody in their 60s should be out selling themselves, but that's um, that's the reality sometimes. It's just how gross and 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 how far down people can can get because of just life circumstances. When you're in situations this bad and people are in such a dark place, how can you even reach them? What are you doing to be able to get to these people and to help change their lives? Yeah, absolutely. Well, thankfully, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of groups around the country who uh, are are doing outreach. Like I said, there was a group here in Lexington going to the strip clubs. Law law enforcement has also become very, um, you know, very proactive with. Uh, sting operations to identify underage underage girls, the um, sex trafficking situations where people you know think that they're with a boyfriend, but in actuality he's coercing and forcing them to do things that you know um, you wouldn't identify with being in a healthy dating relationship. And so law enforcement is a great partner of ours. There's outreaches where uh, pretty much every single day we get contacted by a group around the country saying, "Hey, we've got a woman in Minnesota right now, or we've got a woman." in uh, Florida, do you, do you have any open beds at any of your 11 houses right now? And so um, we rely, we don't do any outreach ourselves. All we do is wait for the phone to ring or wait for an application to come in. 
and like I said, it come they do every single day. And so some some people are changing laws, some people are doing rescues, some people are, you know, um, you know, doing other other you know prevention work for kids. Ours is the ours is the housing and rehabilitation. We we they can stay with us for up to two years at a time. And um, so whether they come into our emergency house or whether they um, are in our long term or transitional living, uh, we we work with them on a long term basis. And we actually employ them as well, too. And so that's another thing too. Survivor Made. If you go to SurvivorMade.org, there's actually products on there that the women are making. And so literally about 40 feet from me right now, we have sewing machines that are going and, and the women are making uh, leather handbags and journals and pouring candles and, and, and we employ them. And so that's a way that we ease them back into society again. What is it like for these women when they when they first come in and they're in this new place and in a place where people actually care about them? It, it's scary, honestly. It, it's very, very scary. It's very intimidating because, it, you know, for people who have been hurt, um, have been around a lot of people that always have uh, ulterior motives, always are, are wanting something from them. The idea of unconditional love um, is a little bit too too good to be true. And and so um, and we realize that we recognize that that you know we're we're inviting you to come to a place you've never come. We're telling you that it's free. We're telling you there's going to be a lot of unconditional love by women in a home who it it's almost like you know is there a setup? Is this a cult? Like what what is this exactly? You know, and um, and then all of a sudden you start realizing that this is what this is God's intention and this is what the kingdom of God is really like. And that is is that there's a free invitation. And that you, if you want to, if you want a different life, it's available for you, and we'll come alongside you and, and help you achieve the things that God created you for. And God, God didn't create you to be out, you know, uh, being abused and, and and traumatized every single day. That that's not the Lord's plans. The Lord's plans is for you to prosper and be blessed and to live a life that you can glorify Him. And uh, and so, so that that's honestly what we come alongside and help them. But it's it's scary, and and trust is earned. And and so um, to 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 think about a life different from what they've experienced it almost sounds too good to be true. But once they realize that it's available, then it's like, oh my goodness, why would I ever want to go back? You know. You find that the women are pretty open to the God talk at first, or does that mm-hmm. take some doing too? I could imagine some think, how is there a God? Look at the life I've lived. How can there be a loving and caring God? Or, or is it the opposite? We find both, honestly, to be honest yeah. with you. We find some that go, if God was really all good and all loving, where was he at? Where was he at when I was being abused? Where was he at when people were taking advantage of me? And that's those are those are big questions. I mean, those are deep, big questions. Um, but then we also find, too, that people will say, you know, I've, I've tried every other way. And honestly, um, I feel like it's time to let God have a chance uh, to make a difference. And my way hasn't worked. And, you know, and, and so um, we, we find that uh, we find people are open. And so, you know, again, you don't have to you don't have to become a person of faith while you're in our program. Um, you can still graduate the program and still uh, have all the opportunities that everybody else has. But we're very open and adamant to say we really do believe that we can do a lot for you while you're here. But um, there's a there's a God who who can do a whole lot more for you than, than we could ever do um, deep inside of your heart and to heal you from the, the, the deepest of pains and, and, and hurts that you've been through. What's it like as you folks get to sit and watch God at work in these women's lives and heal them? It's the great, it's the greatest thing. I mean, it's, I, when, uh, when I was you know, years ago going, 
you know, what am I going to do with my life? And I want to be about purpose and I want to, I want to be on the front lines. I, I don't want to just have a job that, you know, I don't feel purpose in. I, I have to be doing something that I feel like I'm making a difference and to see women's lives being changed and for them to start coming alive and to see hope. When you, when you start seeing hope in people, that's the greatest thing that any, anybody could ever be a part of is to see people coming alive. Um, right on the other side of the wall here, um, we just hired last week the very first graduate of Refuge for Women. She's been out for 10 years, and her daughter is actually starting nursing school this week. Her daughter will be the first person in her in her family to ever go to college. And, um, and so because of the brave choices that she made to leave inner city Detroit and to leave the chaos that she was in and to choose to be a mom, um, not only has she been out for 10 years as a great success story, now her daughter is actually going to college and she's now a success story as well. And, and so it's those kind of stories that make you just go, man, everything that we do makes it worth it when you see people like that who are, like I said, that, you know, the world would look at a sex worker and just say they're, you know, that they're actually creating problems and they're actually a distraction where in, in reality, you know, again, if, if any of us went through what many of them went through in their lives, uh, through the abuse and trauma, who knows where we would end up. And I think it's only by the grace of God that we can all just say that if we can give back and help others, what a gift and what an honor to be able to do that. You mentioned that success story. You mentioned the 68-year-old woman who graduated. What overall would you say in the 13 years that Refuge for Women has been around has been the most memorable moment for yourself? Yeah, I think one of the most memorable moments, I don't know if it's, uh, you know, it, it's, it is positive, but, um, you know, uh, tragic, we had a tragic accident at Refuge about seven years ago, and I was actually out of state, and I got a phone call that um, somebody, somebody was reckless driving, and they rolled across the median and hit our van that was full of women coming from Bible study, and it, and it tragically killed uh, one of the women that was in our program, and five others went immediately into surgery. And um, we didn't know who was going to make it through the night and who didn't. But the the woman who was killed um, was her name was Angela, and um, she was baptized while she was in the program. And her daughter was murdered when she was 21 years old. And we went and saw a movie um, together just two weeks before the accident. It was called uh, Heaven Is for Real. And uh, she asked me. She said she asked me the question. We were standing outside the theater, and she was smoking and she said you know do you think i'll ever see my daughter again and i said you know if you've invited god into your life the bible says that you will you will see your daughter again that was two weeks before a car accident and she um and she was killed in that car accident and i look back and i just said you know that she was she was in her 50s and she had a very very rough life a very rough story and for the three months that she was with us it was probably the best three months of her life where she felt unconditional love where she 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 felt hope and and to think you know will I ever see my daughter again I didn't know at that time that she was going to see her daughter sooner than what any of us realized but and we have a we have a picture that I I have hanging in my office and it's a picture of her coming out of the water with her arms up in the air and her looking up at heaven and and that's the picture that was on the front of the bulletin at her funeral and I was able to preach her funeral and I said she she had hope and we know where she's at today so when I think back to the 13 years that we've been open and I think about one of the most memorable events, I think about Angela and I think about the time that she was with us and where she's at today. And I just think, you know what, it's all worth it. Everything we do, not everybody's a success story. Not every day is, is, is wonderful and peaches and cream and all that kind of stuff at refuge, you know, 
but it's those kind of stories. It's those kind of stories that you just go on the hard days that this is why we're doing what we're doing. What have you, what have you learned about following God's call over uh, the, the length of this ministry? Yeah. I think God, I think God, uh, I think, you know, Irenaeus, who was an early church father said, the glory of God is man fully alive. And I think when all of us tap into doing the things that we're called to do, um, we, we, we do, we do that with joy. We do that as unto the Lord. Um, we do that in a way that, uh, it's not us necessarily doing it, but it's God working through us when we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. We feel alive. And, uh, and so when I think about, uh, I was sitting on a mower and I, I thought I was called to be a preacher and I was sitting on a mower and I mowed for four years going, God, I don't think I want to be a preacher. Now what am I supposed to do with my life? And, and I think when we cry out to God, he hears those prayers and he answers those prayers. And I, I just said, I, I want purpose and I want to be about seeing people's lives changed. And now 13 years later, I, I know God heard that prayer. And I think that's for everybody. I think when I, when we have staff, we have volunteers, when I see them doing the things that they're called to do, it's one of the most exciting things for me is to see people living out their purpose and walk in their calling and, and, and making a difference in people's lives. And you can make a difference whether you're a, a physician, whether you're a businessman or woman, whether you're, you know, no matter what field you're in, how do I do this so that I'm making a difference in people's lives? And I think that's where calling and purpose come in. Will you ever stop doing what you're doing? <laughs> Uh, maybe when I'm 90, 100, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> well, he asked me the other day, they said, when do you, how long do you think you'll do this? And I'm like, I have no intentions to go golf like every day. I have no intentions <laughs> to walk a beach. My wife and I, my wife came on full staff, full-time staff a year and a half ago. And so now we get to do this together day in and day out. And uh, as long, I, I have no retirement plans in store. Um, and so it's about seeing lives changed. And, and that's, I think when you, uh, when you live for purpose and you live to make a difference and you get that revelation that it's not about me, it's not about comfort, it's not about getting to be 65 and then and then it's all about me from there. No, it's about every day that we're living and breathing, let's make a difference in the lives of other people. And how do we do that? And how do we live a selfless life and a life of generosity to others? And and so, no, I our goal is that by 2025, we have 21 open houses across the country. That would, that would allow us to... Um, that would be uh, serving 200 women about every single day in some capacity. And um, actually met with a couple who was from Canada uh, not too long ago. And they're, uh, they're down in Brazil uh, on the front lines down in Brazil serving. And, uh, and so, you know, again, I don't know if someday we'll be in other countries, if we'll, I, I don't know, we'll see, but at least right now we're, we're here and, uh, and, and trying to be faithful with what we've been entrusted with. What's the uh, best way and how could people be praying for you and your ministry right now? What are some of your top prayer requests? Yeah, you know, I, I think continuing to pray for our staff. You know, we have 121 staff members at, at Refuge. And I think if you'll continue to pray for our staff who are working on the front lines day in and day out, there's 121 staff, 119 are females. Um, and so in all of our houses, uh, we have women who are working in our homes. And so you know, again, we, there's ways for men to get involved, but it actually day in and day out working in the homes, it's, it's females. And, and so again, I just appreciate your prayers for them. And, uh, you know, that, that God would just continue to give them the strength as a, as a minister to the women day in and day out, you know, funding is always a need. And so if we're going to accomplish, uh, reaching 21 houses, we need more partners to, to do that. And so I think you can go on refugeforwomen.org and, and make a donation, become a monthly partner. We would, we would be thrilled for that. And, uh, and then another way is to, Go to survivormade.org and actually buy products that the women are making 
that's a great way to support. Uh, some of the be- most beautiful handbags you'll ever see uh, are, are on there. They're they're stamped, survivor made. The journals, the candles, uh, they're beautiful products. And so when you when you buy those products, you're supporting women who are making major major changes in their lives. The other thing too is there's a there's a um, there's a website if you want to learn more about trafficking and just um, the the way that people end up getting the places there it's there's a link on our website but also if you go to iamonwatch.org it's called it's called onwatch but the website is iamonwatch.org if you go to that website there is a free training module modules on there that you can learn about sex trafficking and just it's a wonderful wonderful resource and so I'd encourage you to do that if you get a it, it'll it'll take a couple of hours to go through it but it's a wonderful resource you get a certificate at the end of it one word that I've heard a lot in our conversation today is there is a story or they have stories. What a reminder to sit back and look at each person and remember that each person has a story behind them. So true. They're so true. Uh, it, you know, everyone does have a story. And like I said, people end up in, in tough positions through a set of circumstances that they didn't necessarily desire or, or want to happen. And so I think just from a compassion standpoint to realize the person you're sitting next to even at work, um, they may have a bad attitude today. They may, you know, just not be in the place that you're at today. I think when we're gracious and compassionate and we realize that we don't know what's going on in, in their home, we don't know what they're dealing with. Um, everyone has a story. And if you if you ever want to read any of the stories, there's um, on the front of our website, we have stories of hope. And so we have a lot of the women's stories that are on there that will just it'll just really uh, compel you and realize how how brave and how courageous these women are to be making major changes in their lives and to be pursuing new paths. It doesn't come easily. It's uh, it's a major, major ordeal, but it's, it gives you a lot of hope and inspiration. And so, but you're, you're exactly right. There's, there's, there's lots of stories to tell and that's what moves people. People want to hear, people want to hear an overcoming story. And, And if you go to the front of the website, you'll see a bunch of those. Tell us that website address one more time and how we can follow along and learn more about the ministry. Yep. Thank you. Yeah. It's refuge for women, R E F U G E F O R women.org. And then where the products are at is survivormade.org. And uh, you can follow us on Facebook as, as well, too, Facebook and Instagram. But, uh, yeah, I encourage you to check out the websites and figure out. Uh, again, we, we really would appreciate for you to uh, lock arms with us, however you feel most compelled to do that. Thank you so much for making time for us today. Thank, thanks, guys, for your time today. I really appreciate it. This has been great. And thank you so much for joining us and for listening today. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.